Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Hebrews. We are ready to read chapter 4. Now at the end of chapter 3, the writer there is talking about the children of Israel not entering the land of Canaan, the promised land, due to unbelief. And that they ended up, of course, wandering the desert for another 40 years until that generation had died off. Now, continuing along with that same uh, kind of thought, the writer is moving forward here in chapter 4. Uh, I am reading in the Amplified Bible. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today, now we're talking about God's rest, let us fear, in case any one of you may seem to come short of reaching it or think he has come too late. For indeed we have had the good news of salvation preached to us, just as the Israelites also, when the good news of the promised land came to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because it was not united with faith in God by those who heard. In other words, simply put, um, they were taught, they were told that they were God was taking them to Canaan, that that was going to be their promised land, they were going to inherit that land. But then the message was of no value because they didn't believe God. They didn't believe it. I mean, this really goes back to Adam and Eve not believing God, if you really want to think about it. But uh, <clears throat> I don't want to go back that far right now. But you know what I mean. Um, we're talking about uh, believing God, trusting God. And the fact is they, they, they got to Canaan and they were ready to go in and take the land. And they sent the scouts in. And two came back saying, yeah, you know, with God on our side, we can take this. And the others said, no, no, they're full of giants and all this other stuff. Strong people, we can't, we can't take them. And the people sided with the ten instead of with the two who believed that with God they could take it. And that's why, that's why they ended up. Uh, wandering the desert for 40 years until that generation died off. So, so that's the example that the writer here is, is telling us about and um, saying that the message they heard about the promised land didn't benefit them because it was not united with faith by those who heard. In other words, they didn't believe in it. They didn't believe in God. For we who believe, that is, we who personally trust and confidently rely on God, enter that rest, so we may have his inner peace now, because we are confident in our salvation and assured of his power, just as he has said. As I swore an oath in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This he said, although his works were completed from the foundation of the world, waiting for all who would believe. Now, some of this may be a little difficult to understand the way it is written and the way some things are quoted, but basically um, he's talking about entering into God's rest. In other words, knowing that you know God's got it, God's got control, God will take care of it. You know, we're still going to do our part and do what we can and do what we're supposed to do. But we're going to trust and rely on God and know that we can um, have that inner peace, knowing that he's got it, 
that he's gonna see us through it and that's gonna be okay um, <clears throat> that way you know we're let's see how they say it here they said um, we have his inner peace now because we are confident in our salvation and assured of his power and we know that no matter what you know we're going to go on to heaven anyway in this life is short but even in this life we can be confident in God's power and in his his promises so all right <clears throat> so verse 4 for somewhere in scripture he has said this about the seventh day and God rested on the seventh day from all his works and again in this they shall not enter my rest therefore since the promise remains for some to enter his rest and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to grasp it and did not enter because of their unbelief evidenced by disobedience again this 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 refers you can refer this all the way back to Adam and Eve really he again sets a definite day a new today providing another opportunity to enter that rest by saying through David after so long a time just as has been said before in the words already quoted today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts for if Joshua had given them now there is a mention here this mention of a rest was not a reference to their entering into Canaan this was meant to be entering into God's rest which the entering into Canaan the promised land was an, an example and but here I think he's really meant uh, what what he's really talking about here is more entering into God's rest for if Joshua had given them rest God would not speak about another day of opportunity after that so there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest for the people of God now he doesn't mean we're supposed to follow the Sabbath but he's saying that we can still have that full rest and refreshing in God for the one who has <clears throat> once entered his rest has also entered from the weariness of okay <clears throat> let me try that again I apologize for the one who has once entered his rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors just as God rested from those labors uniquely his own let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience as those who died in the wilderness see still pushing pointing back pushing back I'm sorry still pointing back to that example of the children of Israel dying in the the wilderness because they did not believe and would not go in and possess the land so what we need to do is believe but we don't really have to go in and possess the land so to speak we need to believe we need to do go about our daily business I guess that is kind of we need to possess our land you know possess where we are but understand that it's God that's given us these blessings and that that his power is taking care of things we're just going in we're gonna do our part we're gonna do our job whatever that is we're gonna take care of what we can take care of and then we're going to trust and rely on God to take care of the rest because he will um, for the Word of God is living and active and full of power making it operative energizing and effective 
It is sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give account. So, you know, he's encouraging us to, to trust and believe in God and enter into that rest. But now here too, he's telling us for, the reason is the word of God is living and active. It's full of power. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And, you know, it can make the difference in our lives for us too. It can I read this and I did a little thing on this uh, where I was talking about, you know, that sword, that sword, it can, when he talks about it, penetrates uh, as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person, and it exposes and judges the very thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Well, the word of God, with, with the sword of the spirit, we can spiritually speaking lay ourselves open we can look in our hearts we can judge the intents and the, the thoughts and intentions of our hearts and we can remove you know we can remove with that sword we can remove those bad things we can remove the bad intentions the bad thoughts you know it does take time but that's part of what we do with the word of god is we we are studying the word of god we're bringing the word of god into us and we're we're slowly, you know, if you think of it as a spiritual surgery, we're slowly cutting out the bad things and moving and, and removing those from us. It takes time. Sometimes it hurts. And sometimes we don't want to give things up and we don't want to quit doing things. Or we don't want to admit that something is wrong. <laughs> We've all been there. I know I have. And eventually we have to go, well, okay, yeah, that is wrong. And we have to let it go. You know, and but it's the word of God that's helping us make those changes and do that. So in that sense, in that sense, the word of God really does, you know, penetrate into our hearts and penetrate into us and help us make those changes. And that's, you know, that's to help our faith and help our belief and help our understanding and, and all of that helps us, you know, know God better. And when you know God better, your faith is stronger. You know, it just, it's a, it's a cycle of edification and building. I don't know that it ever ends. It just, it's just a cycle of edification and building. The more you study the word, the more you know God, the better your faith is. It just continues. And now, as long as you're putting these things into practice too, now, of course, but I'm assuming that as we read and understand the word, that we are trying to follow God's word and, and put it into practice in our lives. That's a big, big deal. That is very important. Hugely, hugely important. And that just, that just keeps building our faith. And it's just a cycle that keeps building us up. And it keeps making us stronger and better. And we keep cleaning. I'm going to call it cleaning. You can think of it however you want. But it keeps cleaning our hearts out. It keeps you know, removing the bad things. Because um, we don't want to do the bad things. We choose. We go, oh, okay, I don't want to do that. That's not right. 
And we choose to do the good things. We choose to think on the good things rather than think on the bad things. There's so much to that. And I'm just giving you that little little bit there. So I'm going to move on with verse 14. Inasmuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith and cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in him as Savior. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need, an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. Now I want to review that for just a moment because inasmuch then as we believers, okay, so kind of, kind of saying so with all of this other stuff in mind, you know, um, we... As believers, we also have a great high priest, you know, in Jesus. He has, you know, he has um, Jesus, you know, God in the flesh, humbled himself to be one of us. And he experienced everything, every temptation that we experience, he experienced all that and committed no sin. Imagine having the power of God and living our lives. I would have already wiped out most of the earth. I'm just dumb. I'm just a person. I would have done something awful and horrible in a fit. I would have done something horrible. I'm just. I'm just admitting that I'm a human being. I would have made a mistake, and and it would have been horrible. Jesus did not. And while he humbled himself to be a human, you'll notice he displayed the power of God all the time. So he had that power, you know, but he showed absolute you know, absolute control and love and mercy and caring. And he uh, um, he showed the proper, you know, restraint and, well, control, you know, control of himself. And he was tempted in every way. You know Satan tempted him every day to use that power for something he shouldn't. Or to use it in a selfish way. Maybe something that we would say, well, that wouldn't have even hurt anything. But it would have been selfish. And he was not here to be selfish. That was not what his job was, his purpose, what his intent was. So because Jesus has gone through all that, though, he understands our lives. And we know, we know we can relate to him. See, God is all-knowing. In a way, in a way, you could say, well, God would have known anyway. Yeah, but I think we... We would have had a hard time believing that God could understand and relate to us. We would have said, well, you don't know what it's like. You've not lived this life. You know what I mean? We, we say that to people all the time. We're like, well, you walk a mile in my shoes. You know, we say things like that. So Jesus came down and he said, well, I'm going to take the hardest road possible. And I'm going to walk the worst path. You know, not, as far as giving of himself and giving his life and dying for us. I mean, he took 
everything. The hard road, definitely. And, uh, and he did that all for us. So now he, being with the Father in heaven, he is now our high priest and our mediator. Uh, we, we refer to him in, a, in a, a number of different ways like that. But he's our high priest. We pray through him to God. Just like the Israelites had their priest that, you know, prayed to God for them or, you know, they, their prayers went through. It's, it's kind of an, I, I don't know fully all of the uh, Israelites' practices and all that, so I don't want to claim that. But I do know that, you know, everybody couldn't go into the presence of God, okay? Only the priests could go back there into the presence of God. Well, now we, through Jesus, we have a better covenant. Through Jesus, we can actually pray directly to, well, we can pray to God through Jesus. Because God sees us as Jesus, because we're a part of Jesus, we're a part of his church, we're a part of his body. Um, when we're forgiven and we're covered in his blood and that washes away our sins, then we thus can go to God in prayer you know, through the name of Jesus. Jesus is our representative to God. And um, and that's what he's saying here. He's saying, in some places, the uh, the translation's a little different, like, uh, therefore, let us, uh, let us boldly uh, approach the throne of God, you know, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy, you know. And that's the way... You know, that's the way we should do. When we're repenting and we know we're in the wrong, we should, you know, we should, you know, just spiritually. Now, I'm saying this from a spiritual point because you can't always physically do this, but spiritually we should just be like on our knees praying and saying, Lord, I'm so sorry, you know, and then get that repentance. Also, when you have other needs and other things, the same thing applies. We should be praying to God through the Lord. And we should be going boldly to the throne because we can. We are his, We are counted as his children through Jesus and we can go and, uh, and pray. Pray to God. We can go right to the throne. Jesus is there with us as our high priest and we can pray to God. God the Father. So, so all of this kind of ties together. I mean, if you look at, you know, we need to have faith to enter into God's rest and to believe and trust in Him and use the Word of God to, uh, you know, uh, further develop our faith and also to correct ourselves. And also, the Word of God also helps us in other things in our daily lives. It is also an offensive weapon against the, the enemy. So, that's part of how, you know, that rest that we get, we can't have that rest if we don't um, use the Word of God to fight off uh, the enemy, so to speak. The enemy brings us doubt and despair and all these bad things, and we're using the Word of God to combat that. That's that sword. And then, because we have a high priest like Jesus, we can always go to God, the Father, pray for forgiveness, pray for whatever we might need or whatever we know others need, pray for them and know that Jesus can sympathize and he knows, he knows what it's like to have friends and family, he knows what it's like to have those concerns for others because he had those concerns and he lived here and he had family 
and he had friends. So, so it's just something to think about. No matter what we think about, we experience in this life, and then we, we may start to think, well, God will understand that or doesn't understand that. But yes, Jesus does. Our Lord does understand that. He has been through that. So, so just remember that we can always go to God. We can approach the throne of grace through Jesus with confidence, without fear, and and we can receive mercy or mercy and find grace. And the way they word it here is pretty good. They say an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. And that's what we should pray for, for others, for ourselves, for our families and friends. All right. <clears throat> okay. So that is Hebrews chapter 4. That was the end of that. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. The Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.